Pay Ministries podcasts. A whole new way of thinking. Episode 119 Part 1 of the talk given by Jim McManus entitled Living by the Word of God. and I'm delighted to be here and our theme this morning how we begin to see ourselves and Jesus gave us the way to do that in his very first word that he spoke to us in Matthew's gospel when he said human beings live not on bread alone but in every word that comes from the mouth of God that's a beautiful word of the Lord to live by In our reflection there from Chris, we were reflecting on Jesus has come to give us life in abundance. And life in abundance, the source of the life in abundance, is living by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And one of the great blessings in our church, in our own lifetime, surely has been this growing awareness among all our faithful of the centrality of the Word of God in our life as people of God and as the Church of God. We owe this great grace, of course, to St. John XXIII when he called the Vatican Council. There was no experience at the time in the whole Church of what a council would be looking like. And uh, it took four years to work through the theme And one of the major documents from the Council was, of course, on the Word of God, on the place of the Word of God in our lives as individuals and as a church. This is my favourite paragraph from that uh, document. You probably all know it well. In the sacred books, the Father who is in heaven comes lovingly to meet his children and talks with them. And such is the force and the power of the word of God that it can serve the church as her support and vigour and the children of the church as strength for their faith, food for their soul and a pure and lasting fount of spiritual life. Now a very beautiful, a very profound and yet a very simple statement of the place that God's word has in our lives. In our lives as a church of God and also of course in our lives as individuals making our way back to God. And look at the beautiful image it begins with. In the sacred books the Father who is in heaven comes lovingly to meet his children and talks with them. That's what's going on, you know, when we are in church and the scriptures are being proclaimed to us. God is coming to speak to us. When Des read the gospel there, Jesus came to speak to us. That's what God's word is. And God speaks a word that we can understand. He speaks a word that goes right into our hearts. And so Jesus says, and now live 
Live by that word that the Father speaks to you. And so our theme in this session is just to reflect on that. How do we live by God's word? When Pope Benedict uh, became Pope, he called a council, uh, a synod of bishops, and he gave them the theme, the the word of God in the life and mission of the church. Now, it wasn't surprising at all that Benedict gave that theme, his first synod, because that beautiful passage there from Vatican II, uh, one of the main draftsmen of that beautiful statement there was a very young theologian, one of the youngest theologians at the Vatican Council, and his name was Joseph Ratzinger. And in collaboration with a much older theologian, Karl Rahner, they worked, they drafted that particular beautiful statement about the place of God's word in in our lives. And uh, there was a lot of discussion and dissension uh, among the the, the synod, among the, the council fathers, about the, the word of God. And the place of the word of God, well, everybody believed it was in God's word, but how do you present it? And uh, uh, Joseph Ratzinger and Carl Ranner, behind the scenes, were able to produce a text that uh, made everybody happy. Then when, as you know, there's a synod of bishops, the bishops discuss the theme in great detail, and then they leave behind them a lot of recommendations, and the Holy Father then produces a big document, we call it an apostolic exhortation. Well, after the Synod of Bishops on the Word of God, Pope Benedict produced a very big document, and uh, it's known as uh, uh, Verbum Domini in the Latin text. It's uh, the exhortation on the Word of God. And he's talking about then the place. What, What does the Word of God do? And he tells us, we were created in the Word, and we live in the Word. We cannot understand ourselves unless we are open to this dialogue. The Word of God discloses the filial and relational nature of human existence. In this dialogue with God, we come to understand ourselves. And we discover the answer to our heart's deepest that's why the word is so important isn't it we, we can't understand ourselves unless we are in dialogue with God's word now all day long you know we're in dialogue with some word all day long there's not, there's not a waking moment that there's not a dialogue going on inside you. And sometimes it's not always with God's word we're in dialogue. Sometimes it can be a dialogue with a very nasty word that somebody spoke to us. And then we can begin to live by that nasty word instead of by God's word. (coughs) Penetrate, of course, to gave us this beautiful way of seeing our uh, who we are as his church God's church he said the word is not simply audible not only does it have a voice now the word has a face 
one which we can see, that of Jesus of Nazareth. So when we talk about the Word of God, we're not just talking about a written word or a spoken word. We're talking about the very person of our Lord Jesus Christ. As St. John said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's why we try to have this very warm and loving relationship with the Word, when we open the Word, or when we hear the Word of God being proclaimed in the liturgy, it's so important. It's a person. It's the person of Christ who's now among us. That's a very necessary renewal in our church, isn't it? To have this new awareness of the Word of God being proclaimed to us in the liturgy. And Benedict then says, Here we are set before the very person of Jesus. His unique and singular history is the definitive word which God speaks to humanity. So when we sit, say, in our Sunday liturgy and the word is being proclaimed, it's not just in the presence of the one who's proclaiming the word we're sitting we're sitting in the very presence of Jesus. Now, sometimes I know we have to make that adjustment. Because maybe at times we say, oh, she speaks up, I can't hear a word he's saying. Uh, no, we're sitting in the presence of the very person of Jesus. It's not going to move for me. Oh, has. There we are. And then, to bring this very clear to us, Pope Benedict in his very first encyclical then, uh, outlined to us, what does it mean to be a Christian? And he said a beautiful line, just one line, the very first paragraph of his encyclical, one line that has been very influential ever since. He says, being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but an encounter with an event, with a person, which gives life a new horizon and a definitive direction. So being a Christian is not knowing all the answers, not knowing all the catechism, back to front. Being a Christian means being in a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we thank God that that awareness too has come in very strongly into the church and particularly through the charismatic renewal because that has been from the very beginning, hasn't it? That's been the great emphasis and focus in the charismatic renewal that we come into this personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to know all the answers, the catechism answers and it's good to know all the theology But that is not what it means to be a Christian. Some of the greatest theologians may not have been Christians at all because they did not have a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. I used to give missions years years ago with a a, a confrere, God rest him, he's dead now, but he was born in India and uh, of English parents and he went to school in India went to the Christian Brothers School 
and uh, the sixth form he always told this story the sixth form the boy who always got top marks in religious knowledge top the class every time was a Hindu boy he knew all the answers in the Christian catechism but of course he didn't believe in Jesus at all so we can know the answers and give the correct answers but do we know the person of our Lord that's the great grace that's in our church today thank God and so Benedict says then it's a pastoral, theology, a pastoral priority puts it this way it is decisive from the pastoral point of view to present the word of God in its capacity to enter into dialogue with the everyday problems which people face the word of God then is not remote from our problems the word of God is spoken right into our problems and so he continues we need to make every effort to share the word of God as an openness to our problems a response to our questions a broadening of our values and the fulfilment of our aspirations so in the word of God we have everything that we need for our life for the renewal of our church I think it was 1990 or 1991 there was a big uh, Conference, an international ecumenical conference in Brighton on evangelization. So you may remember the 90s was the decade of evangelization leading up to the millennium. And there were about 5,000 people from all over the world uh, at that conference. They say there were more of the Pentecostal type churches attended that conference than any other, other event because some of those groups, of course, wouldn't come to a conference if there were Catholics participating. But they all came to this big conference. I was one of the speakers at the conference, but I got to hear some of the other speakers as well. And one man I got to hear was a Coptic Christian, a bishop, a Coptic, a Coptic bishop, and uh, in, in uh, an Orthodox Copt. Not, not there are Copts who are also in communion with us, but uh, they're Orthodox Copts. Anyway, uh, he was... Uh, a surgeon in lay life and then he became a monk and because the in the Coptic church in the Orthodox Coptic church all bishops have to be celibates so mainly all bishops then have been monks so he was taken out of the monastery and made a bishop and then he told us this story uh, about the word of God he said about 30 years before that in, uh, shortly after the, 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 the Suez Canal crisis and all that uh, the morale of the Christians was very low in, in, in Egypt well of course there was a great revival of Arab nationalism when Nasser uh, got control of the canal again took it back and then there was also the re-emergence of Is Islamic fundamentalism and so the poor Coptic Christians were feeling very marginalised. Uh, of course, as Christians, they were all second-class citizens anyway in that Muslim country, but now it was even intensifying. And the Bishop of Alexandria at the time, Coptic Bishop, 
was praying his heart out, asking God, how can I raise the morale of the people? And then God said to him one day, very clearly, teach the people the Bible. So, okay, God says, you better do it. So that very Sunday he announced in, the, in his cathedral, this evening at 7 o'clock, and from now on, every Sunday evening at 7 o'clock, I'm going to teach the Bible for one hour. So, he waited. 50 turned up. Then 100. Then 500. Then 1,000. Then 5,000. And then the other Coptic bishops took this up. And he was able to say to us in 1999, in 1991, he said, Today in the Coptic Church, over... 300 Coptic Christians gather every Sunday evening to hear their bishops teach the word of God in the Bible and there has been a most marvellous renewal in the spirit of the people. Of course, that's what Vatican II had been talking about. Such is the force and the power of the word of God that it gives the church the energy and the individual energy to be the witness. Well, Benedict is still pointing that out to us. That's our pastoral priority. To have and make sure that the word of God is at the very centre of our, our life. That's what we live by. But now, what, what does that word say to us? And what does that word say to us about ourselves? Well, you'd be very familiar with this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Just a few, a quick look at what God, what God says to you now, to you now about yourself. And the first thing God says to you about yourself is, you're His image and likeness. Well, no, that's not bad to start with, is it? To be told by God that there's nothing in this whole world more like God. And yourself. Yes, God of course tells us about our history. He knows that we are fallen, we are sinful, but He also knows that we have been restored, redeemed. He tells us that we are precious in His sight. When the people of Israel at the time were feeling very demoralized and far from God because they'd been very unfaithful. God sent the great prophet Jeremiah to them with wonderful words, Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name, you are mine. Should you walk through the waters, I will be with you. Why? Because you are precious in my life. Because I love you and give you honor. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. Wonderful word that God speaks to us. Psalm 8 tells us, beautiful psalm, short psalm, that we are little less than a God and crowned with glory and beauty. It's hard to improve on that, isn't it? Jesus told us we are reborn of water and the Holy Spirit. St. Paul tells us we're God's temple 
the temple of the Holy Spirit. In our language we say, you're a walking tabernacle. That's who you are. And then Paul says, we are God's work of art. God couldn't have improved on you, you know. And lots of people often think God could have improved on them. But God made you as his perfect work of art. With the body of Christ. That's who we are. Now take a look at that. And how does that make you feel about yourself? I'm not making that up, you know, that's all God's work. You're looking at yourself when you see that. No, that's, that's, that's your mirror to see yourself. To see yourself as God sees you. And don't believe the distorted mirrors that you often go into in those places where you see all kinds of distortions in your, of yourself. That's, that's your true self. Now, of course, in the uh, Greek uh, church, they've always kept the distinction very clear that we didn't keep clear at all in the Western church. The distinction between the image and the likeness of God. We kind of fuse the two, don't we? But the Greeks were always very much more analytical about this, and they always said, the, the image of God is always there, and that is perfect. The likeness of God is concerned with the way we live, our behaviour. And sometimes, of course, our behaviour at all is not God-like. Sometimes, in fact, we often hear the, the English word, that was a very un-God-like thing to say, or un-God-like thing to do. The likeness of God is in the way we live. You know, that beautiful uh, video we saw there about love. The likeness of God is always in love now what do we say to a God who says that kind of a thing to us about ourselves see all these beautiful things how do we respond then we come back to Pope Benedict and uh, he tells us in that same great document and by the way that document of, of Pope Benedict the Verbum Domini the Word of God one uh, great Protestant commentator said not so long ago, that, that is the best document he said that has been published for years and years and years on the Word of God. Pope Benedict's document. Benedict says, The Word of God draws each of us into a conversation with the Lord. The God who speaks teaches us how to speak to Him. Here, we think, naturally, of the book of the Psalms, 
where God gives us the words to speak to him, to place our lives before him, and thus to make life itself the path to God. That's why we have the Psalms. Psalms are God's word, but God's word that we speak back to God. And so we say wonderful things about ourselves, don't we, in the Psalms. My favourite psalm is 139, where we talk about the very beginnings. We said to God, It was you who created my inmost being, who knit me together in my mother's womb. For all these mysteries I thank you, for the wonder of myself I praise you. Now, isn't that a great word? And it is God who teaches us to say to God, I thank you for the wonder of my being. Now how many of you, first thing this morning, jumped out of bed or crawled out of bed and got down on the benders and said, Lord, I thank you for the wonder of my being. So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey, to maximise your potential, to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.